Welcome to Ah Crap a Hellboy Podcast, the show dedicated to the half demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yes. Yeah. Woo, you are back for the <laughs> warning part three. We're gonna finish out this story. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's really nothing to cover other than that this week. So Yeah, well this shit is bonkers, so yeah. Yeah. From the little I know. Of like the end of the BPRD, having yeah. not read it, but have the issues sitting in a box behind me <laughs> uh, because I picked them up that last storyline. And then it was like, I'll just read them officially when we get to it to the podcast. But the little I've seen of imagery that people have posted about and their responses to the end and and just where this book is, what it sets up. I feel like this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like how I guess where Hellboy is too. Like the last thing we read was sort of felt like a beginning to the end, uh, but I don't know. We'll 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 see. Of course, there's a yeah. long road ahead of us, so I could be completely. The momentum's wrong. definitely like building up a lot. Although if you look at the afterward that Arcudi wrote, it's like it seems like Mignola was maybe planting seeds of this like four years before the warning, because wow. he talks about when they first joined up to write the dead. And they put that like, like when they find the, in the BPRD headquarters in Colorado, that scrapbook of the black flame and, and everybody. And, and I guess like Mignola put Memnon saw in that, that yeah. long ago. And Arcudi's like, I don't know if he was, you know, if he had all of this in mind already or not, but it kind of seems like it. And now it's mm-hmm. like all culminating and stuff. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Well, that's great. Well, I, I, there's, let's not waste any more time with us hypothetically talking about things we're going to cover in the future. Yeah. <laughs> let's get to it. Yeah, dude. Uh, the Warning, uh, issue five, published November 2008, written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi, illustrated by Guy Davis, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley, uh, boo. And then um, mm. <laughs> and it starts off, we get we get like a cool cover. Yeah. The version I have just has the like desaturated like of color version, but you can find the color version easy. I like this colored version a lot too. Like the way that the light kind of emanates from underneath one of these big creatures that's like slowly turning organic. These like robot. Yeah, it's like it's it's like almost representing how the power comes from like the generator that's underground. Yeah, yeah. It has this like power coming up from the earth for sure. And it has the frogs. Yeah. Joining in, which is like, well, what are these guys hanging out for? With their long, weird, weird, like, ethereal tongues. Yeah, they're (laughs) almost like, they remind me of, like, when artists draw smoke, just, like, kind of, you know, slowly drifting out of a mouth, like cigarette smoke or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, kind of, or, like, when you, like, snuff a candle out and the smoke after that. It's cool. But they're, like, yeah, it seems to be, like, drifting out of the mouth, this, like, light, but it's also tentacly you know little <laughs> frog tongues that we've seen yeah i really like the texture on the the big um tripod crustacean yeah. whatever they're called i don't yeah well you see the great the great sort of like transition from it has like the more like hammered metal texture at the top like the smooth texture and then it like has bullet holes all in it and yeah. then also the the yeah like you said the crustacean very like crab like little nodules all over <laughs> this like shell that it's 
turning into and it's like dripping, you know, a nice yeah. little like kind of droplet falling off of one of the uh, claws and stuff. It's really cool. Is it blood? Is it oil? Who yeah, knows? Yeah, what's what going on in, with this thing? <laughs> we don't like fully find out either, but we like sort of find out. It's fun. Yeah, it's very. It's it's one of those things that I think we've discussed before with other guests, like and also like a cool. It works really well in a sci-fi like this, like bigger world. They don't ex, they don't feel the it necessary to be like let's over-explain exactly right. what this is. It's yeah. just yeah, you don't need it. And I think I think you don't need it because the characters don't know it yet either. Yes. So it's like fine. They they will find out with them. Yeah, and it's a world that I think Kate Cordigan will address this directly. Like. There's these worlds that are just like on the fringes of our what we think of the world. Yeah. And it's like you no one, not even them who deal with it can under completely understand it. Right. Which is cool. Very cool. Yeah, and it starts off with Abe in sort of a dreamlike state. He's looking at this like fire burning and then he's looking at Langdon Call's wife. Mm-hmm. Well, which like he saw before. He throws that picture into the fire, this like little fire that's burning in a little like almost like trash can or some small receptacle in front of him he turns around and sees langdon calls house like burning completely engulfed in flames um and he's just watching it and then his the fire takes over like this whole panel and then abe in you know in russia in his (laughs) like reality opens his eyes and he's decked like lying down on the ground and stands up to see sort of spectral form of these like proto-humans leader guy that we yeah. saw before and he's like yeah you blew up my machine you think you're really cool but guess what we have so many machines <laughs> all over the world you would be a really busy guy if you tried to blow them all up and i have to like, i have to interject real quick yeah yeah I, would, I love if there was a version of or if down the line we write a version of something that, that is this weighty but we had we put the we put the language of your recap into the mouth of <laughs> yeah. a big like if he's like I know you think like if this character his like his like weightiness and like <laughs> high fluting was just like I know you think you're cool oh you think you're a real cool guy but guess what we have so many machines like <laughs> I would love it <laughs> basically basically it's just clueless it's like uh you know a, an old story told with like <laughs> A dummy's <laughs> vernacular. Like, I love that. Not that shares a dummy. Clueless is the, the best movie. Anyway, that's a that's a, a tangent. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's like he's like yeah, you're gonna be a busy guy. Like it, it, shit's going going down, and you can try to blow us up all you want, but it's nothing. And Abe like is reaching for his gun as he do, as he does that, and references like something he said about like fire and thunder like referring to their weapons and stuff abe does a little yeah here's a little thunder for you and he's gone has his action moment ruined Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and then johan's like hey abe we couldn't wake you up and the huge like lizard from the last issue is lying there dead with like guts all spilling out so they're like yeah let's let's go we see on the surface this huge splash page of you know like jets flying and hitting giant robot crustaceans with missiles and it looks like it's working like they're they're kind of picking off the last of them by the looks of it yeah but the city is fucked it's like completely in ruin and one of these soldiers says in or in german i'm sorry i think i said russia earlier yeah we're in uh, germany whoops <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, so in, in Germany, it's like, yeah, tell your American girlfriend she's welcome in Munich, but leave the monster wars in the States. Kate's like, I can understand German, guys. I'm like, I'm standing right here. Johan's like, please excuse me. I gotta go look at the rubble that was my city where I live. And then Kate and Abe and this German dude, the German, like, commander, military commander, Bruno? Yeah, you're right, Bruno. Are talking. I can't believe I remembered someone's name. Um, they're talking. And basically, like, Abe's explaining... I went underground. I had a hunch that these were going to be similar to the proto-humans we fought before who had like Liz as their generator. They must have some other kind of generator. Bruno's like, yeah, uh, that it was making some kind of force field where we couldn't fight it, right? Abe's like, sure, why not? <laughs> like, he doesn't understand what it is. And it's like, he just knows that that thing powered these other large creature slash robots. So yeah. he's like, I better go blow that up. And he was right. But he's explaining that he's worried that like you know they started as robots but they were changing into something and then we get like a cool drawing of like almost like a little pilot guy that's inside of these things and but it looks like his like he's also in the middle of growing and evolving or something but he's also dying so you don't know like what's like guts and viscera from him getting shot at versus him changing look at it closely yeah that is that like one of the frogs attached to it as the pilot? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. That's wild. Because we've seen frogs like depicted like this before, like big, nasty versions of it. And they definitely have like the claws like similar to mm-hmm. the frogs that we've seen before. Yeah. So it seems like these things are working together. I like this one line of this one German guy. Sorry for my bad English, but I never want to see damn thing as this again. <laughs> You're not alone there. Yeah, it definitely looks like a frog piloting it. He's like got all of these like tubes and stuff and wires attached to him. You know, it makes me think of like mecha animes and stuff like that. Yeah. Like there's this one Gurren Lagann where like basically like a person gets in and pilots this big robot. There, I mean, there's just a shit ton of anime that's like that. but Yeah, it's very Pacific Rim as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it is funny to think that like the proto humans are sort of just mechanics and builders, and then they, they have the frogs, which are these wild beasts almost, are the ones that are just like, well, they'll pilot them. Yeah, <laughs> it's so unexpected. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, well, what's the hierarchy here? Like, who's kind of in charge? But it, it, they don't really say. But mm-hmm. but Abe's kind of expressing that to Liz. He's like. We're not just fighting the frogs. They've got allies. This is a two-front war. And Kate says, all right, what about Liz? Did you find anything about Liz? No, not a thing. So he's like, yeah, these proto-humans with this ancient technology and these frogs who are, like, you know, capable of spreading completely without any hindrance. You know, you can, like, squash out little sections of them, but they're multiplying threefold over here so it's like they're just there's nothing you can really do to contain them there's so many of them yeah and then it cuts back to johan who's like getting driven around the old town he sees like he's like oh that's where i lived and he kind of talks about some of the residents of the town and the the driver's like they probably got out and he does this sad thing of like no they didn't and he's like sort of letting his like ectoplasm escape and you see all of these like dead residents of the town sort of come, you know, take shape and form. 
This is quite possibly one of the, one of the most depressing so, moments yeah. of our entire reads. It's really <laughs> spooky. It's yeah. super, I mean, haunting, if you'll excuse that. But it's like, uh, oh, and then the soldiers also say like, oh, God, what the hell? And I was like, does that just mean what the hell? And I Googled it and it, it does. <laughs> it's like, that's got to just mean what the hell. But yeah, it's like, you know, it's not just these like cities that we see like totally raised. It's the population is fucking decimated by this event. You just pointing that out makes it like that's what's also great about that moment. Yeah. Is it I think that we are especially in the last like couple of years, especially in films, we see a lot of like cities being destroyed and they right. tumble and fall. And it's like a it's a huge spectacle. Right. But we we tend to like maybe down the line they deal with the aftermath a little bit. Like I'm gonna bring the example of Manda Steel to like Batman versus Superman. They like sort of deal with the repercussions a little bit, like in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh bad movies, bad bad examples, but whatever. I forget what they do in the courtroom. What is it? Somebody who's like, You fucking They're, stepped on a gas station where I worked and killed my co-worker. I don't remember all of it other than like, yeah, like a guy that lost his legs that Bruce Wayne tried to save, and then uh, you know, and then his and then his wheelchair has a bomb in it because Lex Luthor is evil. Um, uh, but blah blah blah. But it's but there, there's probably more examples of like I mean, I'm, MCU has done it a little bit, but not to this weighty of a thing. Like they've had repercussions. Yeah. But this is like truly showing like human loss, like life yeah. loss. Like they're saying like. It's not just, oh, a battle between the good BPRD and these monsters. It's like showing like, hey, man, fucking life has was completely lost here. On a huge scale, there's like dozens of people just in this shot. So you imagine like across the city, you know, there must be just like hundreds or thousands of casualties from this crazy fucking monster event. Yeah. And I think that that. And just like on pretty much like a three page channel just gives it a little more like it renews up the stakes and also the like the importance of what they're up against. Like for sure. And I think that's pretty smart of them to like include that rather than just keep it sort of that surface level spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, you know, because we've seen Hellboy go on missions, get sent out on missions to save like one family, you know, to save like one baby. Yeah. And then there are like little kids in this group of, you know, it's like families are getting totally wiped out. You know, whole sections of the city are getting murdered. And it's, yeah, it's like the scale is not just like literally the size of the threat. It's this mm-hmm. like the number of human lives is uh, huge. Yeah, right. On. It's crazy. It really is. And as you said, it's very haunting. Yeah, and then um, it cuts back to Bruno and Kate talking where, you know, she's kind of, like, explaining, like, yeah, these things are underground. They're also living, like, kind of among us, and they, you know, their world brushes up against ours. Like the bubonic plague. She compares it to the bubonic plague, which is also creepy to read, like, you know, still kind of pretty deep in quarantine, at least for people here in Los Angeles. You know what it's like, the bubonic plague. It was always there, proliferating in reservoirs of non-human animals, not having any impact on us. But when it made the leap into the human population, it was out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> reading That's exactly. that today, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's very, it's like, it's, and that is very interesting because it's like you're taking something that's really 
real life. It, it kind of reminds me of this. It reminds me of like reading about how like the reason why we as like we created Frankenstein mon monster and we created vampires and werewolves is because we sort of can't, we hate to like actually face our own like horrors and humanity. And that also. They're like unsolvable. Like a yeah. vampire, you could kill a vampire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and but this is almost even going even further as saying like yeah there's these straight up diseases that like what we're in right now can are around and exist but then they could just pop up and fucking wipe us out yeah and it's interesting to give this that comparison to these bigger monsters yeah it's uh, there's like I don't know it, you are hundred percent right Kate that it's weird timing for us to be reading this right now yeah. Like, oh, shit. It just is a bummer to, like, see a, an apocalyptic landscape and be like, oh, that sucks. You know? And, and, and uh, okay, so, like, this is kind of an aside, too. But I, I forget where I read this ex first exactly. I, I, I read this, like, a few years ago now. Where, like, so a lot of people, especially, like, sci-fi fans or fantasy fans who are people of color, are like, when... When you watch an apocalypse story, it's basically like, what if the shit that happens to brown people all over the world happened to white people, basically? Yeah. It's like, what if what if the government caged us or what if, you know, they what if they fucking bombed our cities? And it's like shit that America has been doing to other people for like a super long time. Yeah. And that just is what makes it, you know, it's like Syria getting bombed recently. Like, it's just like shit. You, you, we look at this and it's like, Oh, Munich is destroyed, you know, all the history of that city. And it's like, I don't know. It just makes me think about that kind of shit, too, where it's like uh, this kind of stuff. Not, not obviously not with like a big fucking, you know, turning organic monster or whatever that is. A, but it's it's a, it, it just like, a, you know, it's just in my head, too, as I'm reading it. Yeah. You're making me think of like the, the um, Black Wall Street massacre, like. Like yeah. we have constantly put up these big depictions of like, oh, apocalypse could happen. It's like it did happen for these people. <laughs> right. If we do wipe people out, you know, like whole groups of people get wiped out. I don't know. It's kind of like an aside, but it's, it's I think it's a good aside. I think it's relevant because we're looking at like the rubble of a city and how and how like two people are talking about like continuing. They're like, like, what can we do against this enormous threat? We just got to keep living. You know, is it too late for dinner? And they like kind of walk away with their holding hands, giving you this impression of like having hope through all of this horrible destruction and like life and love continuing on past this, like some horrible shit going down. Yeah. So I think it is a pretty relevant story. And, you know, just thinking about that. And then it cuts to a picture, like a photograph of. Kate, Abe, Hellboy, and Liz, like, hanging out. Like, Hellboy's giving Abe bunny ears in the picture and stuff like that. Like, a really cute picture of them all smiling. Yeah, and it's a rare, like, Guy Davis Hellboy in it. Yeah. It's a very adorable little uh, panel. <laughs> yeah, it's super cute. And then, But then it's, you know, it's uh, kind of tainted by the fact that Abe is looking at it and then pouring himself some brown liquor <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, gives, gives a little toast in a hotel room all by himself where he says to Hellboy, where is he when you need him? 
And then through his drink, he sees Memnon saw, or maybe like in his drink, like in the reflection of his drink, he sees Memnon saw and says, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. It's probably behind him. And then he turns and throws. Yeah, you fuck. <laughs> and Devin hears it in the other room, like in the adjacent room. And is like, what? He's like looking at his computer. But here's the glass shatter. And then Abe is like talking to this astral projection-y kind of form of Memnon saw. And Memnon sounds like, you're, you know, you're angry, but that doesn't change this truth. I got to show you something. And it's like, he pulls the, like the reality back like a curtain. That's very you know? cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shows Abe this vision of, you know, an apocalyptic future where these crustacean metal monsters are tearing a city apart and frogs are down on the street, you know, eating up humans wrangling humans over here do you see the moment in the background where there's like people falling off of a fucking roof it's oh yeah insane terrible. <laughs> terrible yeah off of a burning building yikes and uh abe's like okay what did you just do to me because now they're like standing on the street of this happening and memnon saw slash martin guilford is like that is the future okay that's the and I, that's the truth i always tell you the truth liz is some sort of like key to stopping this or like once it happens, she can destroy it. He says she is the grasping fist of the assumption, the might and the charity, the balance of sidereal and evanescent is in her heart. From her hand leaps the living arc of a current that slides through the echoes of creation and deliverance. And she's shown in this, like with her palms up and out, like, it's a very, like, Christian-looking thing to me. Like, she's basically, like, you know, she's, like, enrobed, like, this... Oh, I, like, it feels like they're making her, like, this Christ-like figure, but mm -hmm. she's also, like... She's also, like, got flames burning around her, and, like, her eyes are completely whited out. So she's, like, on this other level in this depiction of the future. Yeah. That, you know, he's showing to Abe. But then it shows the frogs who are, like, you know, they stop eating a human to look at and see who she is. And then they get engulfed in flames and everything is completely, like, completely burned up. And then it cuts back to Abe's hotel room. Abe is kind of like, you know, he's like gasping. He doesn't know what he saw. Memnon Saw says, I'm not lying to you. This is all beyond you. With Miss Sherman, I can handle it. Don't interfere. Go home. She is mine now and I will lead her to her ordination. And as Abe tries to, like, stop him and continue to talk to him, he just, like, leaves. Memnon Saw, like, leaves his... Abe's hotel room and we see a shot of him like standing over all of these bones either frog bones or human bones but like we don't really totally know I guess mm -hmm. in the midst of all of this like destroyed city and yeah so that's what he's saying we still don't totally know where Liz is but it seems to me that Memnon Sao is saying you know I can either help slash use Liz to somehow stop or maybe contain this frog proto-human threat? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch something that I yeah. think. Yeah, I don't think he's pitching that she's a savior at all. Uh-huh. I think he's pitching to her that he is like, she is, I don't know what she is exactly, but from yeah. the language of, especially on ending on creation and deliverance, it makes me think that like, I think in like a lot of the like, mythology of an apocalypse is an apocalypse is sort of like it's not like it it's an end it's it's like it's like a circle it ends right. and then it's a new beginning and right. i think he's i think he's predicting that she this is 
a horrible ending, but then there'll be a re a, a, a new beginning. Does that make sense? I mean, but that that's what the proto humans were kind of saying that yeah. they wanted. They were like, we were, you know, we lived on the earth and walked on the earth, and then, uh, you know, our numbers dwindled a lot, and we were like forced underground, and then humanity took over, and now it's now it's our turn again. Like he's saying, the echoes of creation and deliverance, like the destruction of one people for the rise of another people. And that'll just keep happening forever and ever. Like, like you're kind of saying like the circle. Yeah. But she is also shown destroying the frogs. Like, are these proto humans only using the frogs as like little soldiers or something? And then they'll destroy them or. Yeah. And I think with an apocalypse, like this is just me hype with not full knowledge of where this yeah. is going to end. Yeah. Guessing like, I think the apocalypse is like destruction of all. Like, yes, the proto-humans are like, hey, we want to just take over. We want to move you out of the way. I think Emden saw and Gilfred is like saying, no, all of us are going down so something completely new can start. That's my, just in this language seems, it's just because even him standing in that last image while he's like, hey, hey, it's like there's nothing left. It's not like, oh, look, um, all the humans are gone and now these other beasts are taking over. It's like a new beginning because there's death and then something else will rise, I guess. I don't know. Something else that he does. It's like, I don't even care what, what it is. Yes, exactly. That kind of stuff is so funny to me. It's like, what is your motivation when like, it's cool on one hand to be like, we have, there are these like huge destructive forces, like the dragons, you know, like the like ultimate bad guy of this world. Yeah. Like, what is his want? Like, what do you want to destroy Earth so bad for? And if it's like, oh, well, I eat worlds and I'm a big world-eating guy. It's like, has any world given you such a hard time as Earth? <laughs> Earth is like a real pain in the ass. Like, it it's a real back. thorn. Yeah. <laughs> Almost to the point where it's like, just go eat another world. Like, this is so hard. <laughs> I don't know. Now you just want the challenge of getting to eat Earth? <laughs> funny i love um, all that yeah then Devin shows up he's like hey uh i heard you screaming and throwing glass and stuff so i got the key and opened it are you okay Abe's like yeah oh what do you got that your computer is still looking at those scanned files and he's like yeah i didn't find anything out about gilfred but i did find something maybe it's important maybe it's not but <laughs> lobster johnson i found his old hideout and that's the end. That's it. Just stops right there. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a pretty like really just sharp edge of a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, I guess we're gonna go to Lobster Johnson's at some point and discover something. Who knows yeah. what that what that will give them? But it's yeah. like it's it's interesting because it's like it gives and it alludes to a bigger thing coming with the Liz, and then but then it also hooks you enough to be like, well, what are they gonna find at Lobster Johnson? Lobster Johnson's had something like he was the one who pointed them in, in the first place towards Gilfred. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I'm very curious. It's a, it's a cool double like hook of a, a cliffhanger for like the bigger picture and then the small like next step. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's I think <laughs> before we record it, you're like, this is crazy. And it's like, yeah, I think we're now getting to the thick of wherever BPRD is headed to the end. I don't know. Uh-huh. Pretty wild. And then I kind of already talked about it, but John Arcudi has this like afterward where he talks about like Mike Mignola planting seeds for this back in like 2004 and setting up this big grand ending. Yeah. It also says, I don't know if he's just like 
It says John Arcudi, Philadelphia. Was he just visiting Philly, or is he like, does he live in Philly? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm gonna look it up. I think you need to look that up, especially being from Philly. I know. And then we have a BPRD sketchbook, which is always great. So fun to look at different versions. The first sketches of the Hyperborean robot monsters were pretty close to the final design that I that saw print. Originally, I saw them walking upright, only crawling while chasing Abe and Johan from the cavern. Mike <laughs> had the great idea to treat them crab-like and simplify the legs so they wouldn't be confused with the feel of Victorian cyborgs technology from Garden of Souls. That's cool. Which is cool. Yeah, that that is good to differentiate them too. Yeah, they're awesome. And then you get like the cool like lizards and some nice like sketched out covers. Yeah, I like that we have the full picture too in the in the back of like them of Kate Abe, yeah. Hellboy, and Liz taking that photo. And then there's like a photo of Broom, which is sort of, it's cut off more so in the comic, of course, but this is like, yeah. Cool, like you can kind of see a baby Hellboy in the comic. Yeah, with Broom. That's cool. <laughs> oh, and there's, okay, so my, there's in the sketchbook part, there's the just Mike Mignola sketch of the cover of one of the covers. And he says, my pencil art for cover of issue, for the cover of issue number three. I threw a lot of cross hatching in there. So I guess. That was all him. That's interesting. I know. Uh, I threw a lot of cross-hatching in there, something I almost never use these days because no one is better at that super fine cross-hatching than Kevin Nolan, who inked the covers of the series. I thought it would give these covers a misty atmosphere that would separate them from other BPRD covers, and I was right. And it was a thrill to work with Kevin again. He inked some of the first covers I did at Marvel more years ago than either of us want to think about. Okay, so I, I thought that the cross-hatching was directly from Kevin Nolan, but it seems like Mignola was the one who kind of put them in there because he knew that was one of Kevin Nolan's strengths. Yeah, which is such a cool thing to know that, like, yeah, yeah. Mignola's like, I wouldn't do this because that's not my style as an inker and creator. Yeah. But knowing that he's like, well, I'm going to work with Kevin, well, I'm going to put these in here for him. That's right, and he can do beautiful cross-hatching like nobody's business. And they they do end up looking really great. That's, that's yeah, super cool. Especially with, like, he's going for this sort of, like, for this effect, this, like, misty atmosphere, which I think is, like, a visual representation of what's happening in the story, where it's, like, you know, Memnon Saz projecting himself all over the place. The Hyperborean proto-human leader guy is sort of projecting a ghostly figure of himself. Mm -hmm. We've got ghostly figures of the citizens of the city. So it's like kind of fits with the theme of everything. Like yeah. it's a visual representation of like all these things. And it's also like, what's happening? We don't totally know. Everything is like shrouded in mystery. So it kind of works on a lot of different levels. I'm with you there. Um, And backing up just a little on the sketchbook, on the page that you pointed out, Guy Davis is like, um, with the Hyporian robot monsters. Mm -hmm. I like that in the sketchbook, it gives us a glimpse of what they were, what they were growing into. Like we get the, we get yeah. the beginning of the robotic, completely robotic, and then the organic monster. And it's like, cause in the book, other than maybe hints at the, on the cover, the final cover as well as like some of the post-apocalyptic stuff shows the transition. This gives us a full, like, look at what this thing was going to be if right, it got, if it cool. was able to fully transform it. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Very sadu him and all, uh, or all, all totally. of those. Very cool. Yeah. These are, this is the benefits of a sketchbook in the back. It's great. Yeah. You get a little <laughs> inside look at what they're doing. Um, any favorite moments or page, panels or dialogue from any of this last issue? I do like Memnon saw like pulling the curtain of 
reality aside, yeah, I like this little three panel thing where Johan is saying, you know, that the people didn't survive and his like his like uh, ectoplasmy sort of like mist is sort of trailing behind and giving form to the dead inhabitants of this city. Yeah, it's like spooky and sad, you know. What about you? Uh, probably the, absolutely the same. And then to add to that. I just, I mean, this the, the first splash page of the aftermath of them taking down the the last of the giant robots is pretty epic. Mm-hmm. And I, I do love the photograph. I think the photograph of the three. It's so cool. It's yeah. just such a cool. And again, the rare Guy Davis Hellboy that I like. And just seeing like all of them like in a very joyous mood because we, we, are, we are sort of in the throws of them all going through even though Hellboy is separate from them he's going through some fucking heavy shit right now you get the impression there's not going to be a lot of levity going forward you know yeah those days are behind them (laughs) which is unfortunate but I think that's a great thing it it gives you perspective about where the story is and where we how far they've come so I really love that moment and it does it with this this, an image you know nobody talks about that so I think that's wonderful and yeah yeah, all around great story, and I'm just excited to see where the rest of this goes and where we're headed, and who knows. Yeah. Very interesting to see. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say, like, moving moving along into, like, something, I'm just going to, this is just for the suggestion of to read, watch, or enjoy. Yeah. Something, it's really is more off of what you said in speaking about this storyline is, um, you know, finding out like a villain's motive and what and whatnot uh, made me think of how much I love Galactus. He's such a weird, crazy like character for the Marvel universe, and I, I I don't have exact issues, but if you, I love his character so much that I think if you haven't, everyone should go out of their way. Just look up the issue so you don't have to read all of the Fantastic Four. But check out all of the Fantastic Four storylines that involve Galactus. From his origins of showing up to just, you know, throughout Fantastic Four What is his deal? He, I mean, I know he likes to eat worlds, and I know Silver Surfer, like, works for him and was on a world that he destroyed. Yes. And then he but I don't his... know Galactus's whole, like, was he ever a kid? He was a man. <laughs> so he, I mean, this is a very bastardized version that sure, I'm going to yeah, try yeah. to, or like, he was a guy and I cannot think of his name right now, but that's okay. That's okay. But he was a human in an alternate reality of ours. So okay. when the reality was collapsing. A human being from yeah, Earth? Like a different human being. I don't, probably like not an earthling, okay, but okay. a humanoid. Okay. And he, when the reality was collapsing, that reality was collapsing. He made like a machine that got into it to try to survive. There's probably more to it. But then when that reality collapsed and then created the one, the our world, the Earth, yeah. the one that the Marvel Universe exists in, from that creation, that's where he got empowered with like cosmic powers and became Galactus. Okay. So he like is ancient. He's been fucking around forever. Right. And he used to be this one thing and then he became Galactus and – he just like yeah he develops. So he just because he's like he's like okay I'm super powerful now. The only thing that satiates me is eating worlds. Yeah, that keeps and him that's alive. That's what I gotta do. Okay. Yeah, and then when he comes around to Earth, Earth just happens. He's to like fight more back. of a force by now than yeah than like a person. But there are so many cool storylines with him that you just I just love read. the look of him is so funny. Like yeah, I love that. I love that like sort of like trippy, Kirby era of like space 
shit like all oh, yeah. kinds of like yeah i think he's so cool looking I lo- and he's goofy too because in his early iterations he's wearing he's wearing like a a skirt like he he yeah oh yeah and, and it's not the skirt that is funny to me it's that he has his legs exposed like right. <laughs> like it's so goofy that you're like it, like i don't know if i could take someone that's a threat if their leg like between like their the top of their out. thigh and down it's like exposed and then like cut off like at the the shin it's like that area i could just why don't i just chop at that <laughs> no that's a he's a it's a galactus thigh yeah he's like i don't that. care yeah, you'll bounce right off. Yeah, I think you should just Google, like, what Galactus stories to read. You definitely should read the origin of, like, what him showing up. And then read, like, there's parts of him in, um, I think, I'm trying to think of what, a little bit of, like, what I've read recently. Like, the he's isn't he talked about in the Silver Surfer, the beginning, like, of yeah, the Black Silver they, Surfer, Black Silver Surfer? A little tiny bit. It's like, Galactus destroyed my world, and that's why I'm the Silver Surfer. But that's, like... Every Silver Surfer story is like, yeah, he's. I was a him. guy here on this nice world, and then Galactus came by, and I work for him now. I'm blanking on what I what storyline really shows his backstory of like that reality breaking, but you just Google yeah. it. But then the other one I really like in the last when Dan Slott brought Fantastic Four back because Fantastic Four went into hiatus for a while, yeah, and then they just recently came back. Of course, in the last couple like year or so. And there's a great storyline where Dr. Doom like pretty much has trapped Galactus and is just pretty much using him as like a fucking power source. That's funny. And, and Mr. Fantastic is like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're, yeah. you, you're, you, that's too powerful. And it's just a great Galactus story. So fun. Like he, he, and then if you don't know, this is the cool thing about Galactus is eventually like how like he has his heralds like Silver Surfer and so forth. Yeah. In the f- future, this is one of my favorite things to read when I was reading Fantastic Four written by Jonathan Hickman, is the future Franklin Richards, who is just all-powerful fucking character. In the future, pretty much Galactus is his herald. So there's like imagery oh. of like him on Galactus's shoulder, and that's one of my absolute things and why I love Franklin Richards so much. That's funny. <laughs> it's the real idea nerdy, of somebody dumb. hanging out on his shoulder. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan of that Franklin, like, has a Galactus in the future. <laughs> this is my ride, Galactus. Yeah. Uh, so it just made me that, I mean, us just dealing with these big monsters and cosmic beings. And it just, yeah, check out Galactus storylines. I absolutely so love them. So fun. Yeah, that's great. Anything you wanted to suggest for people to check out? I guess everybody go read the the... I, all I've been doing is just reading this uh, Hellboy book. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. Don't spoil too much. Yeah. Are you almost done? Yeah, I'm 88% through. Great. I'm shortly behind you. But. I recently got a secondhand Kindle from my friend, Andrew Stanton, friend of the pod. Nice. He sent me his old one when he got a new one. It's the fucking best. I feel like I'm such a grandma. I like have really been sleeping <laughs> on Kindles for so long. I love it so much. It's yeah. so light and good. Yeah, mine is too. I'm using a, a Kindle to read it as well. I mean, I fuck Amazon, but I guess I got it secondhand, so Yeah, you fucked them up. And over. you can you can get like <laughs> you can get like library books on there and shit. So Yeah, that's what I use it for, man. I don't yeah. try I try not to buy from them. I just use it for that sort of source. Yeah. The only dumb thing is you can't change the sleep screen or whatever. It's like this like 
um, screensaver is always just an ad for something. Yeah. For some Kindle thing. And I'm like, how come I can't make this, you know, the picture of fucking whatever else? Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I wish it was like the book, the cover of the book you were reading. Yeah, least. that would be sick. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, that's it. I looked up the Franklin Richards picture that I love and it's not even he's not even on his shoulder. He's up on like his helmet and it's wonderful. I think I'm looking at the one that I Googled it too. It's like a grown up Franklin just on his hanging yeah. out on his helmet. I love it. Yeah. To me, my Galactus. Mm, fucking cool as hell. It's very fun. Um, but hey, listeners out there, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on the warning. Heck, don't spoil anything for us. But if you have if you're. If you're reading along with us or just, you know, what 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 do you, what's your takeaway from the warning and going forward? We'd love to hear any of your thoughts. You can email us so we can share your thoughts on the show at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, and remember, um, if you want your thoughts on the show, do email us. Even though we are on uh, social media, which is Instagram, ah crap, a Hellboy podcast, and Twitter, ah crap, Hellboy, please follow us. Um, we will respond to your uh, messages and comments there. But just if you want your thoughts on the show, email us, ah crap, a Hellboy podcast at gmail.com. And if you have the opportunity and you can, whatever, however you're listening to the show, if you have the ability to rate and review us, please do so. But if you go out of your way to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that starts with the word boom, B-O-O-M, boom, we will read your review right here on the show and give you a big old shout out. Uh, we call that boom reviews. So please give us a boom review and we will bring more, and that will bring more listeners to the show. Um, at least that's the hope. So, yeah, do that. Yeah. Thank you. But before we're out of here, I wanted to quickly talk about um, something that I think is a sla- is a more Mignola slash hell to pay. Woo! But we have a new cool storyline that's coming from writers Mike Mignola, Chris Robertson, and uh, Leah Del Duca. And it's called The House of Lost Horizons from the World of Hellboy, a Sarah Jewel mystery. I um, We have not... As what we've read, we have not been introduced to this character, but this is a new like four issue storyline that looks cool. The the cover I think looks really nice. Yeah. It's Michelle Madsen as well. And then I'll just read. This is I'm pulling from uh, but why the podcast.com just is the source I'm pulling it from. So I'm just going to just read some real quick quotes from the creators just to give you an idea of why we should be excited for this Sweet. new storyline coming. Yeah. This comes from co-writer Chris Robinson. He says, when Mike Mignol and I first conceived of the character of Sarah Jewell, she was a young woman who would investigate supernatural mysteries alongside the witchfinder Sir Edward Gray in 1890s. But then we ended up introducing her first as an older woman in the 1920s, traveling the world with her companion, Maria Teresa Lafleur, in the pages of Rise of the Black Flame. Ever since then, I've wanted to do a proper murder mystery featuring the older Sarah and Marie Therese. Therese, inspired in large part by my love of Agatha Christie. When we first discussed this, the idea that, event, that eventually became the House of Lost Horizons, I compared notes with Mike and our editor, Katie O'Brien, to see who each of us had in mind to draw it. All three of us had put Lila del Duca at the top of our list because we knew that she would be perfect for capturing the period setting and the creepy weirdness that ensues. So that's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know, I, I don't know her art, but I think that if, if these, if it's her cover, it looks really cool and it does seem to be very capturing the 
that idea of Agatha Christie in the comic. So I think it looks gorgeous. Um, and then last, this is coming from Del Duca herself. So she says, I was hooked on this project as soon as Chris pitched me the premise at a convention a couple of years ago. A supernatural murder mystery featuring a rad adventurer lady and her kick-ass colleague? I'm in. I'm also a massive Hellboy fan, so I was thrilled to be doing a story set in the Hellboy universe. Working with Chris, Mike, and the rest of the team was a great idea, and I hope everyone enjoys this moody, eerie tale. And it's cool. I want to point out this is like, I don't, I think there's more than one, but definitely, or more than two, but two storylines coming from Mignola and, and other creators that are female um, driven, which is this, and then the Lady Baltimore is coming. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And I think that's very cool. And then, just so you all know, the House of Lost Horizons will debut from Dark Horse Comics on May 12, 2021. $3.99. So, nice. Yeah. What do you think of that cover, Kate? It's cool. It like it looks like a mystery novel kind of a thing. Yeah. It's definitely like making me think about it. It looks like it's set in like the 20s or 30s, I guess, just based on the sort of like, you know, like deco style of yeah. the art and stuff and of the font. It looks cool. Yeah, I think so. I like, and also like, like the one character has that long cigarette. Like, yeah, the like holder. cigarette holder, yeah. And I like that the flowers, uh, which I'm, is that the the other main foreground main character is holding yeah. is forming a skull out of flowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very oh, cool. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I'm like not, <laughs> my eyes aren't working right. <laughs> That's cool though. Yeah, I, I'm excited to to add this to my holds to see what this is. Totally. Very cool. So everybody else out there, if you're, you should definitely jump on adding this to your holds for more Mignola. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it for this episode, Kate. Unless there's something else you that you wanted to add. That's it. Yeah, for me. Great. Well, this has been wonderful. I'm uh, excited to see the future of the BPRD going forward. Um, that will be for a while. I think next week we're returning back to a Hellboy story. So stay tuned, everybody, and see you next week. Um, but again, thank you all for listening. And remember... We love you. <laughs> I messed up because this blanket fell over my eyes. <laughs> That's okay. Ever wanted to hear the story of the time that Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Kid had a two-hour-long tantrum that drove generations of their family to weep? Or maybe the story of SNL's Bobby Moynihan's Kid, who found random pizza in a playground sandbox and ate it. If so, you should check out Why Mommy Drinks, a weekly comedy podcast where I, Betsy Stover, talk to interesting people like Richard Jefferson from the NBA or Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend about a time that their kids broke them down into a shell of their former selves or maybe even drove them to drink, but in a fun way. If you have kids, this show will make you feel less alone. And if you don't have kids, you're going to be so glad you don't have kids. Listen on Campfire Media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. My mommy drinks. Campfire.